0: And so I think by the time I get to the back half, I'm like, you don't have to worry anymore. You just have to give it everything you've got. And like, whatever that is, you just go for it.
1: Welcome back to the first guest interview of 2024. I have one today that I recorded a few weeks ago, and I saved to be the first one because it's so motivating, and as everybody is going into the new year, they're going to be stoked to listen to this one. So I'm chatting with Stephanie McGregor, who is from Vancouver, and she ran her first mar- half marathon sorry, back in 2008, absolutely fell in love with the sport, and she's become a physio as well as a running coach at Mile to Marathon, and has been working towards both trail and road for a long time but specifically to break a sub 3 marathon. And the cool thing for me as sort of a spectator was that we had kids around the same time and I watched her come back postpartum with this goal and I think I follow her on Strava as well so saw these epic workouts that were being done. And her Instagram's great and she really documents everything there and it was a bit of a roller coaster. Like progress is not always linear, but working and adjusting. And I think there's so many things we can take away as runners of any speed to say, okay, this is my goal. And these are the things I'm going to dial in and keep working and not take setbacks or take anything negatively. Like she always sort of found the positive and how to make herself a better runner while still really enjoying the sport. So I think that's a really kind of big thing to aspire to for most of us. So We chat about her workouts, her training, everything to do with her running. And she's just a fun person to listen to. So you can find her on Instagram at any given run day. And I will link to that in the show notes as well. And yeah, I definitely encourage you to go there. I also encourage you to go to our new Instagram at trail running women pod, which is pretty new and we are still trying to build up our community there. And I put this out in our little solo cast last week that my goal is to have as many followers as we do downloads and right now we do not so if that's you go find us there because that's where we want to suggest guests and putting questions for trail tips episodes and all those fun things if you are looking for coaching i have a few more spots i think two left so if you are looking please do reach out and again you can find that at just the trail running women pod instagram is probably the easiest way I might do bonus episodes throughout mat leave if I can. And so you can find the Patreon there too and a backlog of episodes. So go head over and look at that link and see if that's interested interesting to you or a way you'd like to support the show. And lastly, I had a lot of requests for pre-made 50k plans last year and I don't normally do them. So I was trying to find a way to do one where I could make it sort of unique because i don't want to just send a pdf home with someone and say okay do this and i think i found a way so i have created a pre-made 50k plan if one-on-one coaching is not for you but what it includes is starting with a coaching call so we can really get in depth to make a little adjustments to fit your specific race and there's more details on my website, which you can also find the link to that through the Instagram. I'll just have everything funnel through there because that's probably the easiest. So we can make it match you. And I understand one on one coaching is not for everybody. So sometimes this option is better. So you can also just find me on Instagram for more details on that. Okay. Again, that's Trail Running Women Pod. So I'm going to leave it at that. And thank you guys, as always, for listening, for rating, for reviewing, for everything you do. So here is Steph. We have a show today that I'm really excited to get into, a little bit more catered to the road, but somebody that I've been following along on their journey to break the sub three-hour marathon, and the unique part about our story is that we had our sons around the same time, which was kind of how we met each other too. So it's been so fun to see you get back to running so fit and to work so hard and your story is so inspiring. So thank you so much for joining us, Steph. Thank you for having me. So yeah, let's get some history on your running, actually, because some of this I don't know before we met. I mean, I know you've always been fast, but how about when you were a kid, if you were an athlete, if you ran at school and, and kind of how you got into running?
0: Um, I did run in school, but not very seriously. I'm more so... Was that like jack-of-all-trades master-of-none athlete where I played like every single sport under the sun and was always like on every team but never the best player. Um, My main sport, I would say, was soccer. So I played that pretty much until I started running marathons. So like into 2012, I guess it would be. Okay. And how old are you now? Oh well,
1: 38. <laughs> we're we're similar ages too. It's funny how it sneaks up on you, eh?
0: I know. I'm like, oh, how old am I? Everyone always asks how old your children are, but never yourself.
1: I know, I know. And it's hard when your children are growing so fast because suddenly you can see how like fast time actually goes. 100 percent Yeah, it's wild, but okay, so your first marathon was 2012. Let's get into a bit before that, um, races you did or distances you did and kind of what it was about the marathon that made you excited.
0: Yeah. So I, I actually started trail running. So I did a bit more cross country in high school than I did like track or any other running. So when I got a bit more into running, I did a bit more really short, more short distance kind of trail races, the local series that's on the North Shore, like Phantom Run and Hallow's Eve. Those were kind of my first races that I did. I ran in Pacific Spirit Park with a friend while I was doing kinesiology at UBC. Um, But then I did my first half marathon in 2008. um, And I did it If you've heard me on another podcast, I always retell this story because I think it's amazing. But I started doing half marathons because I had a friend who was diagnosed with a rare blood condition, and she ended up getting a double lung transplant. And about six months after that, she ran a half marathon. And I was just like, wow, if you can do that, I have zero excuses. I'm going to do it too. So she oh, kind of sparked my running journey.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Uh, I mean, before we move on, how is she doing now?
0: Um, She's amazing. I still see her. She did run a marathon after the lung transplant. Um, she hasn't in a while, but I'm tr- currently trying to convince her that she should do New York in 2025 and that she should fundraise and we could raise a bunch of money and get her there. So that's my current to kind of like push for
1: her. Yeah, that's a great idea. I'm I will amazing. donate to that and spread the word for sure if you get that done.
0: <laughs> okay, I will let you know if I can convince her.
1: <laughs> so, the other unique part about your story, and I'm sure you do some trail running now as well, is that quite often we get people who ran roads and were going after marathon times and then they found trail running and never looked back. But mm-hmm. it feels like you kind of went the opposite on where your passion really lies.
0: Yeah, and I have gone back and forth between trail and road and I love trail running I've done six ultras and a 50 miler in there and if I had more time to get out on the trails that's probably what I would do more of but pretty much once I got pretty close to when I got pregnant was kind of when I stopped trail running as much just mostly out of time
1: yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. And the cool thing about what you're doing with the marathons now is that you can still go for an exploring trail run without any pressure of if it mimics your race or whatever when you do have the time. Exactly. Okay, so you run that first half marathon. Yep. How did your time look? I mean, one of the cool things is how much you've dialed in your training and, and how specific that's gotten to take, shave off minutes in the marathon time, which is incredible. So what did it look like at the beginning when you first ran that half and then and then maybe your next race after that?
0: So my first half marathon, I came in just under two hours and I trained with the running room and followed their their plan. So yeah, my first half, I did two hours. And then I can't remember kind of the sequence, but of the times, but I know it was two hours and then I think I did something different and like stopped running, maybe went to the gym more. I don't know what I did, but (laughs) I slowly started doing more halves and each time I would kind of knock off like a few minutes, five minutes. It wasn't really until I started adding workouts, like track workouts and speed workouts, maybe a bit of hills that I actually started to knock off chunks of time. I would kind of like stay in the 150 to two hour zone for a few of them. And then, yeah, once I started to add more like timed workouts, track workouts, that sort of stuff, I went to like 145, 140. And then after I ran a BQ in 2014. So I qualified for Boston in 2014 at the California Marathon. I came back and ran first half maybe like 12 weeks later and I ran 135.
1: Crazy. So it's like having that extra endurance base plus some speed workouts was the biggest impact, hey?
0: Yeah. And I think also mentally when you come from the marathon and go back to the half, you're like, oh, well, that's not... That's half the distance. Like it mentally is easier to kind of push through when it hurts.
1: Yeah, yeah. You have a whole new perspective on like what it feels like. Yes.
0: And then I got stuck at 135 for a really long time.
1: After you kind of got the 135 and got stuck there, did you go back and what's your PB of that distance now?
0: Yeah, so I got stuck there for a while. Like I probably ran – eight half marathons in the 135s and could not break it and I was kind of going back and forth to the trails that's when I really got into ultras in like 2014 to about 2016 and then I ended up reaching out to Malta Marathon in 2017 and was like hey I'm stuck here I just ran finless and arm in the September and I really wanted to break 135 in the half. And I reached out to Melathton Marathon and I said, "Do you think you could train me to run to break 135 in six weeks?" And they were like, "Yes. And then I ran a boundary Bay half and I ran 128.
1: Oh my God, amazing.
0: So I think for me, I think having and I you do coaching as well, right, Hillary? Yes. I think, for me, it was having somebody say, yes, you can. It was, for me, for so long, I just looked at my own stuff and, can I do this? I don't know. Is that realistic? Am I being ambitious and kind of wobbled back and forth and not really felt capable of the push? And I think having somebody else look at what I was doing and say, that's 100% in your wheelhouse, that it took that pressure off and I could just run.
1: Yeah, that's so interesting. I actually just had a last, my last guest or one of my last guests has a degree in sports psychology and she was saying that too, that even if your training program builds, go perfect for 12 weeks, sometimes you can just have that part of you that's stuck on if you are capable of it.
0: A hundred percent. So yeah, that was a big like breaking point for me of, in a good way, like a breakthrough point. And yeah, then I felt like once that wall came down, then my time started coming down, 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 down again. And so now my halftime is one twenty three,
1: Which is obviously amazing. And we'll get into your full marathon times too. But I'm wondering, before we do that from a physical training standpoint, were there any workouts that you were kind of missing with your own training that Miles to Marathon brought to you that you think are vital?
0: I think just challenging myself more. I think there were a lot more like, um, so what we do at Miles Marathon a lot is that long run with work in it, which I wasn't doing before. I would do a track workout, something during the weekend, and all my long runs were just more easy. And so maybe I'd have some marathon work in there if I was training for a marathon, but not that much. So I think that's the, probably the big one that changed in my training. But it didn't, I only had six weeks from when I emailed them to when I broke the time. So I think really it was a lot of it was mental. I'd also been going to the track workouts with them as an individual, like there was another group that Rob Watson had been doing and I'd been going to those. So I'd been doing the workouts. I just didn't have them personalized to me.
1: So from a timeline perspective, you mentioned that you, you BQ'd. Was that your first marathon?
0: No, that was, so I ran my first marathon was four hours at Victoria, like just under, maybe 357 or something like that. And then my next marathon I ran, I was actually like, I've crossed the line. I'm like, I'm done. That's good. One and done. And then the girl that I had been training with at the running room, she was like, you know, you ran that really well. Like you negative split it. You did an awesome race. I think you should do it again. I think you could qualify for Boston. And I was like, no, thanks. I'm not interested. Like that's enough for me. And then I read that book, Marathon Woman. Yeah. By um, Catherine Switzer. And I just – I read it and I was like, wow, that's so cool that I actually, like, uh, could have a chance to do this. And there was a time not too long ago where women weren't allowed to do this. So I want to do it. So, yeah, then I ran BMO – in that May. So like six months later and I ran 345 and then I ran CIM in 2014 and I ran 332, which at that time was
1: a BQ. That I find this really cool because quite often what happens when we get people that have run a sub three marathon is they're like, oh yeah, I just ran a marathon and it was 320 and people were like, oh, that's fast. And I was like, was it? Um, you know, yeah. like where they just have yeah. this, like, crazy time. And I think that is cool, but it's hard to relate to, but your initial times, both in the half and the full, they're certainly not slow, but they're relatable to people. I,
0: th- I feel like they're common first time go at it. If you're like, oh, I actually can get to the start and not get hurt and feel pretty good during the training. Like they're a common starting
1: time. Yeah, they're both within two minutes of mine also. So that makes so oh, much sense. Yeah. And then I mean, I did not have the same end progression, but there's still time. <laughs> there's <laughs> lots of time. I'm stuck at 131 right now, which is a frustrating place to be. But oh. <laughs> talk about a mental barrier. I mean,
0: well, my before I ran the three hours, I was stuck at three hours and twenty-two seconds. <laughs> Oh, I feel your stuck pain.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was just looking at your Instagram post this morning too about like it not being linear. And I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to get into that. (laughs) So, I mean, obviously when you're seeing improvements like that too, especially if it's five minutes at a time, that's almost a fun way of doing it because... Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're like, you're going to see some progress almost every time. Like there's no jump big enough where you're like, okay you know, it's going to take a whole lot of work. Like you can just keep improving bits and bits and bits and getting more experience. So after your BQ, um, and after you read this book, was that kind of when the idea of a sub three started to get into your mind or when did that happen?
0: No, (laughs) I honestly, if you had told me then that I would run a sub three hour marathon, I would have never believed you ever. Um, I, then i was like i'm good ticked that box like tick got my boston and then i just went to the trails and then i did a 50 miler and a couple 50k's and just really did a lot of trail running until 2016 when i ran boston and when i ran boston i was in this headspace of i do not like the marathon It's not very fun. The trails are where I have fun. The marathon is not for me. I'm just doing it to tick a box. And I just tried to cram the training in. Like, how little can I do and get the same result kind of attitude? (laughs) And which I can tell you did not go well. (laughs) And I had, I enjoyed Boston. Like, I had lots of fun, but I. I did not run well. I didn't fuel well. I didn't train well. I didn't execute it well. (laughs) Like like nothing about it was good. Except for the actual like I did have fun on the course. But yeah. And then I thought I had a faster marathon in me. And because I did so badly at Boston, I had this very, very strong, I need to redeem myself feeling. Like, I had this feeling that I, I yeah, I really needed redemption and to prove that, because I think at Boston, I think I ran, like, 3.54. And so I had, I had this thing of, like, do I even deserve to be there? Did I deserve that BQ? Was it a fluke? Like that kind of attitude. And so I really felt this need for redemption. And so I like – I almost ran a a Calgary marathon like a month later to try and redeem myself. And then I almost ran Edmonton again for the same thing. And then that feeling kind of passed, but I ended up signing up for BMO in 2017 and again tried to cram the training, again, this attitude of like, I don't love the marathon, but I want redemption. And I trained for like a 315 marathon in my brain, but I, now looking back, I did not train well and I... I just I ran it really badly. I went out too fast. I hit the wall. I had like a horrible experience at the crossing the line. And I crossed the line and I was like, I am not doing that again until I can run closer to three hours.
1: Oh, and I, wow. Interesting.
0: I was just like, I am done. I don't want to do that again. And I didn't think I would run under three hours, but I just was like, in my head, I was thinking like 3.05, 3.10, like those kind of times. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't run a marathon again until 2021.
1: Wow. Wild. Yeah.
0: I was just like, I can't do this. I I crossed. You know, when you see those people and they're like blanked out, they are like, they look awful. I was that person crossing the yes. <laughs> Yeah, and
1: that's when people are like, Is this sport healthy? Like, this I know, this was like,
0: I right? felt like, like a shell of a human crossing it.
1: And what time was that?
0: I think I, I still ran a PB, it was 324, but I ran it so bad. Like, I think I was on pace the whole time, probably to run 310. And then I hit the wall at the seawall so hard at 30K. I think I was running. I went from running like a 4.35 pace to running a 5.45 pace for the last 10K.
1: Which is such a common marathon issue. Oh, it was, yes.
0: It was like, and it's, yeah, it freaked me out. It was such an awful feeling that I was like, I never want to feel like this again. I'm not doing that again.
1: So the interesting part about this timeline too is that I sort of thought we were going to get to where you were really close And everything was going really well. And then there was COVID and then, or sorry, and then you were pregnant and then there was COVID and forced breaks. But it sounds like those things kind of came when you were already taking some space. Yeah. So after
0: I ran BMO, I was just like, I don't want to do this again. And so then I was just like, I'm going to see how fast I can get in the half and try and whittle the time down there and then I'll come back to the marathon. I didn't think it was going to be as long as it was. So then I rem- I like whittled my time down from 2017 when I broke three or broke 90 minutes. And then I remember in 2019 we were like ready to or sorry 2018. We were like we're ready to start a family and I was running Victoria half. And I remember thinking before Victoria half, this might be the fastest you're ever going to be. So just go for it. Like you'll never, you're going to have a baby after this. You'll never be this fast again. (laughs) And I ran 125 something in
1: Victoria. Which is a fantastic time, but it's so funny how we have that thought when it is completely true, right? I was just like, this is this could be
0: it. Like, I didn't, I didn't say it like a finale. Like, you'll never. But I was like, this could potentially. Like, you don't know what's going to happen to you or your life or your body or your
1: training. Like, this could be it. One of the things that was interesting that I think is so different now, and I don't know if you found this, our kids are four, and even mm-hmm. four years ago, the information on the return to run postpartum has become. So much more leaning to the direction you took, which was taking more time and letting everything heal so much. Was it d- because you're a physio that you knew that to take longer, or was it well, that there? So
0: I think it was the Sports Institute in Australia released this big return to run like document postpartum. I think it came out in the summer that I was pregnant. So I had seen that and like I had started to go to pelvic floor physio beforehand because probably because I'm a physio, like you're right, probably partly that. And then this document had come out and like the research all made sense. And so it was more based on like instead of having a timeline, it was more based on you have to be able to do these things. And like instead of, it was likely 12 weeks, but it was more based on you have to complete these milestones before you can run. And it made sense to me because it was things like you should be able to hop before you can run, which is what I do with every other injury. So uh, not that postpartum is an injury, but it can be in some cases. So kind of thought of it in a similar way. So I think seeing that before, I was glad I saw it before because I was mentally prepared that I would likely be 12 weeks. And then working with a pelvic floor physio beforehand, we had discussed that kind of timeline beforehand. So yeah, that was kind of all like my plan going in.
1: Did you find it difficult when it wasn't as – like, there was a lot more people, myself included, just like going out right away and being like, oh, just see what happens because we didn't know as much about it to kind of be the one of the first to like really take the proper time. I think it
0: was, but only from my own like jealousy point of view. And I think that my not, it was like my defensive, like, you shouldn't be doing that, but also mostly because I wanted to be doing that and I knew I couldn't. So it wasn't hard in the, like, you're doing this wrong. You're spreading misinformation. It wasn't that point of view. It was, like, more in my jealous self of I want to run. I want to do those things, but I know I can't yet.
1: Totally. Yeah. And I think the whole thing is really challenging. And I'm thinking about it a lot now, like, going into baby number two because I think – like I had a doctor at five weeks be like, no, you're fine. So that's was like, oh, okay, cool. And yeah, you're you tend to listen to your doctor, right? But oh yeah, perhaps there's like parts because it's such a specialty thing. And when you call it an injury, like that does resonate with me because there's a big gaping hole like where things were that have. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not too gaping. <laughs> you can't like look at a knee and decide how the cartilage is doing. It's it's like a similar thing where it there's no way of knowing from the outside without a pelvic floor exam. So I sort of went the other way where you start and then you learned this information. Then I had a panic attack, saw a pelvic floor therapist and they were like, no, you're like, you are fine because I think some bodies just are lucky. Yes. But that it's a bit of a, it's just a gamble. So it's like are you willing to take that and hope that you end up lucky or then you start to hear these stories of like Lauren where you have yeah. collapsed years later and you're like, oh, shit. That to me, that risk maybe isn't worth it anymore.
0: Uh, yeah, I think thinking of it more and like taking away a timeline and thinking of it more as like milestones is easier because then it makes it more that narrative of like – it's not a one size fits all. Everyone's experience is so different. And if you think of it more of these are the things I need to be able to do and this is the right person to go to that can tell me if that's okay, then that I think is a better model to follow because then it does take away that whole a doctor just being like, Yep, time's past, you can run and or or really somebody that just doesn't understand what kind of running you're doing too.
1: Yeah. And I think you nailed it on the head too. Like when you see somebody before and after they have a proper gauge on what has actually changed for you too and where you need to get back to.
0: Yeah. And just a little like pelvic floor physio plug, if anyone's pregnant out there, is that they also can give you really good tips about labor and delivery. So, that was also a really helpful thing from a first time experience, like first child, to have somebody yeah. also give you those kind of tips. So, but yeah, it's just somebody that knows you before and after.
1: So when you were kind of going through this time, were you thinking that you wanted to come back and do a marathon or or what were your return to running goals like?
0: I think I I honestly can't remember what I was thinking at that time except for just like I want (laughs) to run. But I'm pretty sure because like my whole plan beforehand was get my half time down and then eventually I'll go back to the marathon. So I think that knowing that a 125 would get me like in that 3 to 3.10 range. I definitely think that was on my radar, but like not in an in a significant way, not in a I have a plan. But yeah, I definitely was, at that point, I just wanted to run. And then once I did start running, it was like I think I started running the Monday after first half in 2020, so it would have been mid-February, and I think I ran for a month before everything shut down and COVID happens, which I was very grateful for because if I hadn't started running at that point, I think I would have felt even more stuck and frustrated because... My physio was closed. The gym was closed. Like everything I had been able to do was gone. So I was very, very grateful that I had started back to running already at that point. But then everything was off the table once COVID happened. Like I didn't have any races on my radar. I had nothing on my radar except let's get back to this running thing. <laughs>
1: Totally. And it's interesting to think about where it's like in hindsight, maybe that's okay because then you can just build a base and enjoy it. But at the time we didn't know if this was no races for a couple of years or what. So it, it's not that easy. Yeah. To say.
0: I think it was just like we were living two weeks at a time at that point. Yeah. So we didn't really know. Originally actually during COVID, my, before COVID happened, my husband and I had planned to do a big like three month trip So I think even more so, I had no running plans. It was just getting back to it.
1: So, I mean, since then, your kind of journey to the sub three has been awesome to watch from the outside and seemingly pretty intense. And like you said, not linear with some awesome workouts and some serious work. So how did that become a goal for you then when we're like, we're in no races you have a ten-month-old, a one-year-old sort of thing, um, and that would take us to like two and a half to three years ago.
0: Um, honestly, I think that what put it on my radar is this is really like might come out weird, but I have a group of girlfriends. There's like five of us, six of us, and at the time when I ran Victoria half, I was the fastest friend. I'm using, like, air quotes because I don't really, like, track that with my friends. But (laughs) I was the fastest of our friend group. And then when I was pregnant, they all, like, crushed it. And it was so awesome. Like, they ran, like, so – they PB'd in the half. They PB'd in the marathon. Like, everybody was just crushing it. And then our first – we had one of the girls break three and I was just like that hadn't even been like on my radar of possibilities. But then seeing people that you're like, well, we ran together and like we've ran similar times and you're doing it. So maybe that could be a goal for me. It was just that thing of like they kind of paved the way for me to see that as something that I could do. Because honestly, I would not have thought that for myself.
1: That's really cool where it's like… A mixture of, there's always, you have to have some competitive nature to be able to do these things this fast, Um, but to find it, like, inspiring and to get some competitiveness. I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Yeah,
0: it's that thing of, like, I don't look at them as, like, competition in that way. It's more of a thing of, like, oh, whoa, we're in this ballpark of similar times and similar training, and you're doing this thing, and that's pretty. Cool. So maybe that means that I'm in that ballpark of doing this thing too.
1: Totally. It just is exactly that mental block you you talk yeah. about before, where it's like you have this perspective shift where you're like, oh, this is somewhere I can go. Yeah, and I think
0: for me because I'd had like I I'm such a mental runner. Like I can get in my head or like it can really push me. I just I definitely am more of a mental runner. Is that I think. Having my son was actually really good for that because it made that thing of like, it made me realize like, hey, there's lots of other stuff going on and if you don't hit this time or whatever, it's not the end of the world. There's a lot bigger things going on in your life. Yeah. And it took some of the pressure off of running in in a good way for me. So yeah, I think that part of becoming a mom was really good.
1: I, don't, I think I've tried to explain it to my friends in a way where I'm like, once you have a kid, like, there's so many, so many, like, shits you can give in your life. And yes. they make up so many of the big ones that these other little things, like, stop affecting you the same way.
0: Yeah. And I also think it's like you don't have as much time. So when you have that time, you
1: really want to make good use of it. So I think the next really interesting thing is, like you said – that 3 hours and 22 seconds which could be like you took a wide berth on a corner like anything right yes and that was your first attempt in 2021 is that right yes
0: so i so a few of us from multi marathon signed up for CIM in 2021 because we figured that races had still been canceled earlier in the year and CIM is pretty much the last race of the year. So we were like, if a race is going to happen, that will happen because it's the last possible one. So a bunch of people from mile marathon, we all signed up for that one in 2021. And I felt ready to tackle the marathon at that point. I'd like, yeah, it had been almost two. My son was almost two. I'd been running consistently for like 16 months or something. I was feeling really good at workouts. I'd gotten back to a regular schedule. I hadn't really raced because there'd been no races, but I was feeling good. And then that would have been my first build for a marathon with Miles Marathon.
1: Compared to 18, 10 weeks, how much time did you give yourself?
0: It was probably... We started in September. It was probably like 14 weeks, but I already went into the build in a different position. I was like doing the same workouts that we would be doing during the marathon. It was just layering on some more distance.
1: Right, right. So I
0: already went in with like a much better base of training. It honestly probably wasn't that much really – much more time it was just i went in with a different position i didn't have to do as much extra because I, the foundation was there so it was like yeah. layering on like more kilometers into the long run but the workouts were relatively the same and it was in hindsight it was such a good build but I'd never yeah. done a build with Miles marathon before, like I've in that way for a marathon. And so looking back, I'm like, wow, that was like a dream build. Like I nailed all the workouts. I felt so good. Like it was really good, but I had nothing to compare it to. So I went into that 2021 marathon so incredibly nervous. I was just terrified that I was going to end up hitting the wall like I had hit the wall for like the last three marathons and just felt so bad. And I was just like, that's what a marathon is. And I don't know if I'm prepared to feel that way again. I was just so scared of that feeling again. And I think my nerves got the better of me on that day. And I know I ran like a really good time and I was really proud of myself that day because I fought from the very start. Like from the very start of that race, I wanted to quit and I didn't. And so I was really, really proud. It was like a 24 minute PB and I was like really, really proud. But I think in hindsight, like I definitely had a sub 3 in me that day.
1: I just wonder like when you talk about the nerves getting the best of you do you think you just like mispaced the beginning or how does that No.
0: No, I was just so ner- so so nervous. Like you know when your mouth is so dry you can't eat. Like my mouth was so dry in the morning I couldn't eat. I was getting so nervous. I ended up throwing up in the morning before because I was so nervous. I was, like, on the bus trying to get a banana down. I didn't sleep at all the night before, which is fine now. Now I can deal with not sleeping the night before. But I was, like, in a ball of nerves the day before. I was so nervous. Same thing. And when I tried to eat, my mouth was so dry. I was, like, trying to get food down. I was – I just – worked myself up into, like, a tizzy, essentially. (laughs) And so when I started, I was, like, and I think I had a bit of imposter syndrome. Like, I remember running and seeing these guys that I know that are, like, in my opinion, much faster than me, and I was, like, right behind them. And I was, like, why are you here? You shouldn't be here. Like, just all these really negative thoughts, Like, you shouldn't be here. This is going to be a bad day. Like, all, you should quit. You should drop out, like, for, like, pretty much 30K. And then once I got to 30K, I remember thinking, well, now you're almost done. And now you're going to do it and you just have to fight. And, like, just fighting to the finish. And... I did not realize how – I thought I was running a 3.05, which I was – in my head, I was like, wow, that's almost a 20-minute PB. That's so good. And then I turned the corner and I saw the finish line and I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Like, you're closer to three hours. And, yeah, I think if I'd known, I would have, like you said, cut a corner short kicked it up a little bit like I would have had it but at one point on the course I had stopped to go to the bathroom and I accidentally stopped my watch and then I was like oh shoot like you're not in a training run you're racing like don't stop your watch which is why I think I didn't know what time I was at
1: and that's so hard then when you're in like the most painful part to to keep pushing because you're like oh yeah maybe I'm not well actually you said you're your mindset was positive because you were still getting a huge PB. Yeah. and
0: I think at that point I'd wanted to quit for so long that finally getting to a point where I was like fighting, like I'm definitely a better back half runner. And so when I can just like, I don't, I don't mind the hurt, like physical hurt. That's the part I'm like, I can work through that. It's like the mental part. That I struggle with more. And so once it was 10K to go and I realized I hadn't hit the wall and that my legs were still like fully functioning and my pace was still fine, I was like, like almost that, like, here we go, let's do it kind of thing. And then I was just like, giving her to the finish. But I didn't realize how close I was. <laughs>
1: So, I mean, obviously there's the side where you're like, oh my God, I was so close. That's disappointing. But it also must just been such a confidence boost then to realize that you can do this and you obviously are capable. You just prove that to yourself. Yeah. And I I honestly never
0: felt disappointed. Like every time I would tell someone my time, they'd be like, oh, so close. And I never looked at it that way. I was just like, wow, on a hard day, like you got gritty and you fought and like I was just really proud of myself for not giving up. So I never – as like the time sounded disappointing, (laughs) but I actually had – I never even had that like feeling at all, which was good.
1: And then after that – so I know the next two races and one from what I read from social media, you were like, I'm just going to go out there and enjoy the day and I'm not super concerned over the time. But when you're just this close and then the next attempt is farther away, what was the mental aspect of that like? I think it was 304.
0: That one was really hard because I felt myself give up. And so I felt for me like that one was hard in a lot of ways because I think the build wasn't as smooth and I relied on a lot of people during workouts to like pull me through the workouts. And then on the day when I was out there by myself, I just like, I, I remember just so many times like on the course, just like kind of packing it in, which was in the moment I was like, no, you're like, so one thing that I had told myself going in was because I stopped at CIM to go to the bathroom in Berlin, I was like, well, if you don't stop to go to the bathroom, you're gonna run a sub three. And then on the day, I was like, "Should I have to go to the bathroom?" <laughs> and I, I remember thinking, like, if you go to the bathroom, that's it. Like, your time is done. Instead of thinking, just quickly go to the bathroom and keep fighting, like. It wasn't like I stopped for like 20 minutes. Like I stopped for like two minutes to pee. Like it wasn't a big deal. Yeah,
1: probably not even that long.
0: Like nothing. And I like remember just giving up. Like, oh, that's it. Or like I had intended to run with the three-hour pacer and couldn't find them. And then when I finally caught a pacer, they were like the 315 pacer and I was at like 17K. And so I had all these moments where I could have been like, whatever, it doesn't even matter, but I let it get to me and then I let it be the reason I gave up. And then once I like kind of gave up, I just started like making really stupid mistakes, like drinking random drinks on the course that I'd never practiced with in training, like those kind of things that inevitably like they made me feel sick. And so then when I crossed the line, I just, like, I felt so disappointed in myself once I realized that I, like, really did give up on myself. But because it was still a really good time, like, 304 is such a good time still, I felt like I couldn't talk about it because until, like, and I was traveling, so I couldn't really talk to my friends who would understand about it. I just kind of, like, put on a, like, that was a great day kind of face. But deep down, I was, like, so disappointed. And that sat with me so, so much longer than the time did.
1: Yeah, isn't that a weird thing to feel that, like, empathetic for how other people are going to see comparing themselves to yours where you feel like you can't be honest about how it was? Yeah, like I was just like, I'm going to get so
0: much, like I knew that the comments were going to like, but it's such a good time, but you still ran so strong, but you still, you know, like it was like that wasn't the point and I felt like I couldn't communicate or the worst of like, like now I feel bad about myself because you ran whatever faster than me and you're upset.
1: Yeah, for sure, which is, like, that's somebody's own shit because you should be able to say, this is a great time. Yes, I know I did not reach my full potential today, and that's what's going to make me come back and try again.
0: Yeah, I was just, like, giving up on yourself. Like, that – I think that as awful as that experience was, it taught me the most because I was, like, you know what? I would rather, like – hit the wall or or crawl across the finish line and finish knowing that I gave it everything I had. Obviously, as long as I'm being safe and not being an idiot. But, yeah. <laughs> but I would rather know whatever the time. It wasn't about the time. It was about how I raced it and it was like the worst feeling.
1: Totally. And I can relate to that so much. Uh, like I had a goal for – BMO, and I got to like the same thing, the seawall, where you're like, oh, it's going to be flat and easy now. And then you're like, never mind.
0: <laughs> yeah. Good.
1: And I was in that group where like everybody was going for like a 305 and we all screwed it up. And half the guys were just like running straight off the seawall into the ocean. And you're like, <laughs> I just want to do that so bad right now. And instead, you're like, you know what? I'll just run as fast as I can run right now. And my time was like 313 or something. Like it was so far away from where I wanted to be. But not giving up and being like, let's just see how you finish regardless of the time um, did feel really good. So I know what you mean. Like if, if that was 15 minutes faster than I wanted, but I felt like I didn't, like I sort of just let the, the pain make my decision. Yeah. That's way more heartbreaking. It's,
0: it's, it's that feeling of like, I feel like you run these distances, these races to like, like I'm not winning. I'm not winning the marathon. So I'm running it to get the best out of myself. And when you don't get the best out of yourself, that feeling, it's like, why did I do this then? Like, why did I spend hours and hours training and flying here or traveling or whatever and then just give up? Like, that feeling is hard to sit with
1: exactly and i think that's kind of the fun part about road running too because even people who are running like 2 hours and 50 minutes like they're not winning and that's yeah. not that's not what it's about for 99.9% of us right so yeah no so then did this have something to do and maybe my perspective on it wasn't actually the truth but your next one i think was like a 208 and you were like i just want to enjoy this course my friends are here um was that did you just need a mental break or what was that one like for you?
0: No, actually that one I was supposed to do Eugene marathon the week before and I had I got so sick for like maybe 2 weeks. I was I've I've never been that sick like I was so unwell. I I at first I got a cold and then thought I would be fine for the race and then it just turned into this like it was just awful and i was really sick and so i still went to eugene and i was like the day before i had i was just crying like to my husband and my friend carla and i was just like i don't know what to do like i just didn't want to feel like i was giving up like i wanted to fight all the way to the to see what i could do i trained so hard i had a really good build i worked with a nutritionist i dialed in all my nutrition for the race like i was so prepared and I, I was so sick. I started Eugene and then at six miles, I was like, I can't do this. Like I, my heart rate was so high. I couldn't catch my breath. Like the effort was so hard. So I ended up dropping out at half and I, I was like, I can't do this. And so then BMO was the following week. And I remember thinking, like, if I can do a workout on Wednesday, like, I usually do kilometer repeats before race day. I was like, if I can do kilometer repeats on Wednesday and feel good, because I had started to feel better, that then I'll do BMO. And I did and I felt good. And I was just like, okay, we're doing this. But I knew that after being sick for like two and a half weeks and a harder course I was just like, I didn't think that it was safe to stay with the same time plan. So I went out with like a more conservative goal and I had the best time. Like I had the best, it taught me so much. Like I think I had been so nervous still going into the marathon each time. And I think that having it taken away, made me realize like how lucky you are to get to the start line and how it's not a given and how like the fun parts about BMO, like all my friends were out there and I got to like hear people cheer me on that I knew. And so yeah, that part made me realize like, right, this is why you like doing this. Like it doesn't have to be this chore that's always about a time goal. It can be about having fun and so that was a really positive experience even though it started out from being a really really negative one.
1: Yeah that's such a fun way of doing it and sometimes well also smart it's nice to just have those races where you just remind yourself why you do this too and BMO is such a great one for that. So we're running out of time so quick here so we got to get to Chicago. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm I'm like so invested. I'm like, oh my god! It's already been an hour. Go. I mean, it sounds like, with the exception of like one or two little humps, you had been fit enough for a sub three for years, and it was just needing it to come together on the right day. Maybe not needing to pee that day, and <laughs> and, and seeing what happened. So talk us through a bit about Chicago, and if you felt going in, if there was anything different? Or if you just noticed in the middle of race, like, yeah, today's the day I feel great. No, I went
0: into it being like all of those previous experiences like came together for me to be like, I for one, I just believed that I could do it. I was like, you have done everything. There's nothing that you can do now. And like all you can do, I went into Chicago just telling myself like, If you fight to the finish, if you remember why you enjoy racing and you follow your fueling plan, like you're going to have a great day and whatever the time says in the clock, as long as you don't give up and you run it smart, like you have everything in your power to hit your goal. So I think I just went into Chicago with like a really, a much better attitude about my training and the race and Yeah, there's always like doubt. Like it's a marathon. It's a lot can happen. But I just went into it like trusting myself and my training and my plan more. And remember, I felt like lighter about it. I was like, you know what you love out there. Like focus on what you enjoy. You're in control of like these things that you're worried about. Just go out and see what you can do. And I felt really good.
1: Yeah, clearly. I mean, 257. What about like mid-race, like 21K in and 30K in? Uh, Were there any major struggles or were what were you talking to yourself about at that point?
0: 21K was so fun. Like there were so (laughs) many people and I felt so good. And then at – I think the only time that it felt like a struggle was at – 24 to 26ish k I just felt like oh okay now you're starting to work like it's not coming as easily anymore you're not you're holding not feeling like you're holding back as much like you're having to focus to hold your pace now that was the only time it felt hard but then at 30k they announced the world record and I like I remember just being like, oh, my God, that's amazing, and like looking around, and no one really responded, and I was like, oh, I feel good, and then I just (laughs) (laughs) went. Like sometimes you realize how bad other people are feeling, and then when you're like, oh, I don't feel like that, it can be as mean as it is a boost. Oh, for sure. And I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing, and I caught the three-hour group like maybe four or five K before that so I knew that I was ahead of the three hour mark because they started before me and so then when they announced the world record I was just like I was like excited again and yeah I felt good I felt really good
1: that's awesome and sometimes yeah sometimes it just comes together and you just feel good and like you said those both of those little things are like little adrenaline boosts that are just going to kind of numb the pain yes
0: and yeah, I do love the back half much better because I feel like the front half, I'm like having to control myself and be patient and I'm always worried in the front half that I'm going to go too fast and ruin the back half. And so I think by the time I get to the back half, I'm like, you don't have to worry anymore. You just have to give it everything you've got and like whatever that is, you just go for it. So I always feel like even if it hurts, I do don't care because it's less of a mental battle at that point I can just give it everything I have
1: yes yeah I can that totally makes sense so when you get to the finish line and you realize you've done it can you describe actually I'm going to ask you this question because I normally ask it at the end but finish line you look at the clock you realize you've done it what can you describe those emotions in three words You're like, no?
0: Without swearing?
1: (laughs) I already
0: have. I think I was like, fucking finally. Yes! Like, I was just like, yeah, I was – I just was like, finally. Like, finally I did it.
1: That's awesome.
0: (laughs) Yes. I think it was that thing too of like – Normally, I wouldn't, like, say to everybody what my goal is, you know, but it's like when you've ran three hours and 20 seconds, everyone knows what your goal is. There's no hiding it. So I wasn't really going to be like, oh, you know, let's see, run my best. It's like clearly you want to break three hours. Like it has been very obvious that that's the goal for the last couple of years.
1: Because how could it not? After a big goal that you have had for so long and you find the accomplishment, there's like this letdown or this need to be like, okay, well, what now? So I guess my final couple of questions are, what do you feel like you want to do now?
0: I think I felt like, oh, finally I can just like put a pin in this marathon thing. I think I felt like, You know, when you're barely, like, you're trying to knock off, like, a minute or two minutes, the actual paces are not that different. They're, like, from workout to workout. So I think I felt, like, for the last kind of, like, three marathon bills, which is, like, 18 months, it's just been, like, the same. And so I was really ready to just take a break from the marathon. So I think just some shorter, faster stuff – for the next little bit and then I really want to do New York but I want to do it with my friends and we all have a time qualifier so I have to run another marathon next year to get another time qualifier because it only lasts a year. What? Yeah, it only lasts a year and they're taking away the half as a time guarantee so... I have to run a marathon to get into 2025. So I will probably run CIM next December.
1: And what does your time have to be? It can't have to be a sub three or anything, right? No, my
0: time in 2025. So for 2025, I'll be 40, which <laughs> means my time will be 326.
1: Oh, well, that will be lovely. Be like a yes. car in the park.
0: So I'm like, you know what, even if I don't want to like really give her for CIM, I know I could run likely like a 310 or a 315 like if all goes well fairly comfortably at this point. So I feel pretty confident leaving it till the end of the year that I'll be okay. And then just do some faster stuff like some 5Ks, 10Ks. I'll do first half, that kind of stuff just a little bit less volume.
1: Yeah, and that's fun. And then you still get to stay in touch with like the fun social aspect of it and sprinting in shorter, faster things. Yeah, sometimes it's just the change that's exciting.
0: Yes, and I just want to focus on my athletes for the next little bit like that I coach. They have a lot of big goals. I have a lot of people doing Chicago next year, some Boston people, some BMO people, Eugene. So it'll be fun to focus the marathon on them and not have to do it myself.
1: Yes, totally. And isn't it funny when you coach too that you can get the same satisfaction out of somebody getting their goal and you're like, hmm, I didn't have to do anything. (laughs) I didn't actually have to do anything. (laughs) Yeah, that was great. So we are out of time. I want to thank you so much. That was so awesome. Um, I definitely, like I said before, I think the fact that you came from a relatable place to be able to do this is so inspiring and it just shows like the work both mentally and physically about where it can get you. If anybody has road running goals, obviously you sound like a fantastic coach. So do you want to take a second to plug your Instagram, your coaching place and where people can
0: find you? Sure. Yeah. I, so my Instagram is any given run day and I coach with mile two marathon, the number two, um, in Vancouver. So I, I'm currently taking athletes that come to practices in Vancouver.
1: Okay. Okay. Noted, um, and I will put those links in the in the show notes and stuff as well. And yeah, you have a great Instagram, so I'll put that in there too, and then people can can follow along. Thanks. <laughs> well, good luck for all of your goals in two thousand and twenty four and two thousand and twenty five, and and thank you again so much for joining us. Thank you for having me.